Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 175, episode 4 of The Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness. It is Thursday, March 11th, 2021. A happy uh, Hanks Go Bear Day to you all. 311 Day, uh, the day that shall live on in infamy when we found out that we, uh, as a world, had COVID um, and everything shut down. Uh, my name is Jack O'Brien, aka T Lime Juice Graham Cracker. Ooh, exi- excites old Jack here. Condensed milk, some egg yolks. Come on, this is no joke. Meringue or some whipped cream. Miles, this is my dream. Ooh, I wanna eat me up some key lime pie. That's what I wanna try. Get me some key lime pie. Uh, that is courtesy of official dickhead uh, at Abstrusal. And I am thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray. It's Miles Gray, which is you're a Miles Gray, and you smoke Woo. too much because you hit the dab rig all day. You can rely on a DHC, honey. You can rely on a DHC, honey. Okay, thank you Damn. for to Hank Skypeo, Scipio, however you want to put that down. But I love a good little Holland Oats. Subtly, one of my favorite uh, vocal performances of yours. That was, that was beautiful. Uh, I mean, there's something about when you when you have to become Daryl Hall, it brings something out of you. And I've yes. I've I, I mean, I have stories about this. What things I've done at Hall and Oates shows. Yeah, uh, I've gone out of body and been like the youngest person where people were like circling around being like go off young man and sing this shit sing I can't go for that with all the movements wait you were singing like so loud at a concert this is but- outside lands the wow. that music festival up in the in Golden Gate Park I dude I was so drunk but so stoked to see Hall and Oates and I was dragging my friends like we're gonna go see them so I'm like I'm going to Hall and Oates and I'm in tears, like singing, and it mm. was just a whole vibe. And shout out to Daryl Hall. Or- that sounds like a whole ass vibe. Um, it is. It's 100 percent an entire vibration, as we say in the scientific community. There's a uh, elderly gentleman who uh, is always sort of taking over, at least my experiences of uh, concerts at the Hollywood Bowl. Uh, he has like he just like does this weird interpretive dance right next to the stage the whole time. Um, mm. I, I don't know. I always admire that somebody okay. who's willing to just make the concert their own. Uh, Hey miles, we yeah. are fortunate, thrilled, uh, to be joined by the brilliant, the talented, the hilarious Caitlin Durante. Wow. It's me. And you know that I would not come on this show if I didn't have another anagram of my name. Oh no. I'm not ready. So this, Jack, this also comes from at Abstrusal. Okay. okay. Uh, I don't think I've I've shared this one before. Uh, so brace yourself for Caitlin Durante anagramming two, alien taint crud. Alien taint crud. <laughs> wow. Yes. God. They're so what evocative. What's wrong with your name? It's like it's so, your name is like yeah. it's like uh, like lost or something. Like we, I can't explain this collection of letters and the powers that it has to be so malleable. <laughs> well, um, the official dickhead who who came up with this 
shared a whole slew of these. Let me let me open up my doc because I have an anagrams Google Doc, of course. Um, runic tit and ale, unclean arid tit, annual tit cider, uh, Uncle Taint raid, nail. <laughs> wait, wait, <laughs> Uncle, Uncle what? Raid. Uncle, Uncle Taint raid. Taint raid? <laughs> That's so good. That sounds like a Stop very weird genre of porn. Stop the count. <laughs> oh my god, Uncle Taint Raid opening for Uncle Cracker. Old Uncle Taint Raid, and then he like gives you a little grab under your. Oh god, <laughs> I know. Problematic um, uncle. Wait, there's more. Nail, nail, crude taint. Um, Lauren taint acne. Urine clad taint. I remember that one. Taint acne. I remember taint. I feel like that was one of the last ones I remember. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, lunar taint dice, alien taint cred, <laughs> unclean tit raid, and an iced lunar tit. So, and then um, Abstrusel oh, also said, yes, they all seem to be about taints, tits, and urine. Well, I mean, <laughs> so, the, t- the holy trinity of, uh, of things that a name can anagram to. Oh, uh, my God. Lunar yeah. tit dice. Um <laughs> It's unbelievable how how many uh, just dirty thing, dirty yeah. and evocative things your name anagrams to. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's nine tit Dracula being the yeah. uh, oh yeah. nine tit Dracula. That's one of Latin my Latin dancer UTI. Mm-hmm. Latin dancer UTI and nine tit yeah. Dracula. I think I think we have not a new like nothing's ever gonna defeat those, but the we might have just a couple more. new entries in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Um, Jesus, what's uh? <laughs> <Dice>. <laughs> Holy shit! What is that even? Uh, the wild hey, thing man. is like they'd be really interesting abstract art pieces. Like right? this piece is called Lunar Tit Dice, and what I did here was sort of playing with the uh, female mammary glands along with the gaming cubes of dice uh, in a moon mm. context, mm-hmm. and that's that was the inspiration for this. Um, so basically, so all any any visual artists out there, you have yeah. all these n- wonderful names for pieces, and I expect, right. or it's <laughs> right. a- it's aliens on the moon uh, playing CeeLo, like throwing dice, but the dice are tits, right? Oh, you mean the aliens that have taint crud? <laughs> yeah, the ones that are have cruddy old taint. Yeah, and they're playing for taint crud. So this is all. This is like a Norman Rockwell piece, just <laughs> making itself possible right now. All right, Caitlin, we're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. Uh, But first, we are going to tell our listeners a couple of things we're talking about. Uh, It is the one-year anniversary of the world shutting down. So uh, I just went back through, looked at some emails that were sent on that day, listened to the episode we dropped on that day just to put myself back in that mind frame. Uh, I'm wearing jeans in honor of the before times. Uh, oh, so, no. Jeans wow. are violence. Jeans are violence. Yeah. Jeans are violence. They are. But I mean, it's the same as like people dressing up in old timey clothes to honor. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it's a recreate. It's a historical recreation. <laughs> Can of, uh... you imagine that's what we do from now on? Like cause everyone dresses like a slob. It's like, hey, man, it's 311. Put on your what you used to wear in public yeah. <laughs> rather than your sweatsuits. Um. So we'll talk about that. Uh, we'll talk about how uh, Donald Trump might just get hit with the Rico. Uh, we'll talk about uh, a new article that says modern America uh, 
might be replacing God with politics, might be replacing religion with politics, and just that being kind of an interesting framework to view the modern, uh, our modern condition through. Uh, we'll talk about COVID relief. We'll talk about Elizabeth Banks's new movie, uh, which is called. Mm. Is this an anagram for something? No, nope. uh, <laughs> it's called uh, Cocaine Bear. Yeah. Uh, yes, straight hell up. Yeah. Uh, all right, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about Avatar heading back to movie theaters in China, uh, and all of that, plenty more. But first, Caitlin, we like to ask our guest, "What is something from your search history?" That is revealing about who you are or what you're up to. I just Googled tubal ligation recovery um, because I am next week uh, having my tubes tied. Please and thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Please and thank you. (laughs) So kids are off the table, huh? Kids are off the table. Yes. Every day medical professional that i've talked to about this i was like Mm -hmm. hey i would like i don't want children they're like oh what right (laughs) excuse have you seen the world it's awesome right now (laughs) you don't want to bring someone into this or they assume that i've already had children so they're like oh how many children do you already have and i'm like zero and they're like i'm sorry you what did you did you mean two and <laughs> do you mean how much money you have as a result of having kids? Zero. Right. <laughs> right. So, um, and I, I mean, I get these responses from, you know, non-medical sure, uh, sure. people as well. But, um, yeah, I, I am childless and I will be childless from here on out. Um, Fantastic. Thanks to my tubes getting all tied up. What's the, um, <laughs> so what is the recovery like? Is it a pretty sort of uh severe procedure or not too bad no it's um it's i'm pretty sure outpatient so uh i'll be able to go home the same day i think i'll just like have some i can't like lift heavy boxes for a couple weeks after and what are you gonna do then what are you gonna do with your time your side gig of box lifting So yeah, uh, it's it's pretty it's minimally invasive. I think it's it's mm-hmm. a pretty easy recovery, but I didn't totally know until I Googled it. So, what yeah. was your sort of path to? Because I'm sure you know, thinking of like our own, you like our mortality and that like evolutionary itch that some most humans have to procreate. What was your path to, to yeah, this yeah. moment? So I've known since I was a child that I did not want to have children, um, which uh, is, again, very... People are like, but you have a uterus. Um, (laughs) Don't you want to use it? Uh, And no, thanks. I really don't. In fact, I'd like to get rid of it entirely, but um, couldn't figure out a way or like... No, I th- surgeons won't be like, yeah, have a hysterectomy apropos of nothing. Um, <laughs> right, right. So, so the next best best thing basically was to get um, my tubes tied. But yeah, I just I've always known that I don't want to be a parent, and I, you know, I was like on birth control for a long time, and I was right. like, I don't know if I just like want to be on because, uh, I mean, not to get into some gory family history or anything mm-hmm. like that. But um, my mom was on birth control, like, in her 40s, and it gave her a blood clot in her leg. So I was like, I don't want to, like, from, like, adolescence to, like, into my, like, 40s or whatever, be on, like, hormonal birth control. So I was like, you know what? Let's just chop chop me up down there. (laughs) 
Is that how you communicated it to the doctor? Like, what do we uh, just chop it up? Just by the way you're expressing this, I may say you're not the best candidate for this procedure. (laughs) Just, uh, just damn it up, huh? Let's do it. Mm -hmm. Well, good. I mean, good for you. I'm just must feel good to take that power into your hands and 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 be able to finally have that decision and feel liberated from like having to you know have other forms of birth control and shit. It feels so good, especially because. I mean, I'd been exploring this for several years and every doctor I talked to, they're like, well, you won't find a surgeon. If you don't already have children, you won't find a surgeon who will do this procedure unless until you're like 35. And guess who's about to turn 35? Hey! Um, (laughs) There we go. People know about the turning 26 being able to rent a car. Very few people know that uh, doctors won't give you autonomy over your own body until you turn (laughs) 35. 35. What the fuck? What's even the reason? Like you're at risk for being younger? They're like, no. But you'll regret it probably. It is, li- yeah. That's it. It's literally the patriarchy. They just assume <laughs> that if I, if you have a Yo, uterus, you're going, then you're a baby making factory, and mm-hmm. that that's your mm-hmm. only life goal. Um. So yeah, there's no. The only legality is that you have to be, I think, 18 or older and of sound mind, and um, that's like those are the legal stipulations. But yeah. no, so many doctors don't follow that, and they say well, you're going to change your mind or you just haven't met the right man yet or like any oh number of like oh <laughs> really like heteronormative. And Jesus, I'm sorry you had to even like deal with that when you're trying to make a real decision on your own behalf. And they're like, well, let me just throw all this bullshit <laughs> that you you've considered this and don't give a fuck about. Therefore, you're here. OK, <laughs> but just in case, you know, right. maybe Prince Charming will come along. <laughs> Ugh, and then I can't wait for like the day after my surgery to meet my Prince Charming and then oh my oh no, oh. I'm gonna change my mind. I know. <laughs> and now you got a sick rom com to write. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Go. Called All Tied Up. <laughs> and it has so many meanings because I'm like yeah. tied up romantically. Right. My, my but you're also like liberated because you're not tethered to birth control. You're not tethered to the expectation of motherhood. Oh I mean, it's, it's, I mean, guys, it, that's why I leave it to you. Someone with a master's in screenwriting. I do have yeah, a master's Yeah, I was just going to say, if only so. we had somebody who was a master's, uh, a master of screenwriting. I didn't right. want to be the one to bring it up because I hate to mention it, of course. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> uh, what is something you think is overrated? Okay. I think that frosting, icing, whipped cream, basically anything that you might put on like a cupcake or any really any dessert of any kind i hate it i think it's it's ugh wow we're having some back to back dessert takes on this show <laughs> mm. yesterday pie was a lie today icing is all tridash apparently yeah. and so you like a so you just want straight up cake if you're having a cake i want like the tiniest layer like i'm talking mm. a millimeter oh layer <laughs> put on with like of, a razor of icing <laughs> exactly yeah. I'll, someone will give me a cupcake that has more yeah. like taller icing Top than heavy, the yeah. so i just scrape all of that off and then whatever's like left over is what i deem mm. tolerable mm-hmm. fantastic i'm whipped cream uh, okay i'm i feel I, like whipped cream disgusting. should wow you don't wait whipped cream is disgusting 
I hate it. Yeah. Wow. I mean, what, it's what, it must be a consistency more. thing because whipped cream is like less sweet than yeah. The so it's like they're all different flavors, right? I mean, they're yeah. all I guess sugar, but it's just like yeah, whipped like sugar. I don't, but I like sugar. I like sweets and candy. <laughs> but I like straight sugar with a spoon. <laughs> <laughs> Do you eat ice cream? Are you a fan of ice cream? Yes, love ice okay. cream. Okay. But no, but you would never deign to put whipped cream on that. Disgusting. Yeah. It wow. would ruin the whole thing for me. I will take all your icing the next time we're <laughs> around each other and eating cupcakes. You just give me the icing. I'll double it up. Yeah, then your wife's going to be like, stop giving Jack ice, icing <laughs> or whatever the fuck you guys are doing when he's out of the house. What is happening? His, all his teeth are loose. <laughs> oh, man, I love icing. Uh, <laughs> you got a little icing bucket you like just, yeah, just take little nips just, from on the side of your bed? Yeah, most people mm. don't notice, but I just like occasionally reach out of uh, the Zoom and pull in a handful of icing. And we notice keeps me because going. your face is pink and blue. Right. You do, but the <laughs> listeners don't aren't aware. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And our guests have to be uncomfortable and polite throughout that. And be like, and yeah, I'm we just, have to sign I'm, an, an NDA. Yeah. <laughs> I'm texting them on the side. Please just ignore this. If, if you bring it up, it's going to derail the entire show. So let's just keep this moving. Yeah. I'm not comfortable unless my uh, lips are uh, crystalline with uh, icing. <laughs> Uh, which is something I noticed on my, my son the other day. <laughs> Caitlin, what is something you think is underrated? I think that fake houseplants are underrated. They're and getting good. They're, right, they're getting good. And as much as I... I mean, I think that real house plants are also underrated, but yeah. I which one though? Real house plants of Orange County or real house plants <laughs> of New Jersey? One of us was going to make that joke. <laughs> I prefer Atlanta. Um, yeah. Ow, I think we all do. <laughs> Candy no, Burris. I mean, she's a, she's a legend. The, yeah, I um I am not able to keep real house plants alive. So people are like, oh, but like fake house plants are tacky. They look like shit, but. <laughs> Uh, they look better than the dead real ones. <laughs> right. So. <laughs> I've encountered three fake plants like recently that mm-hmm. I've just like been in a building or like just stopping by someone's house to grab something. And I'm like, oh, damn, that fucking monster. That shit look good. And they're like, it's fake. Mm-hmm. Or like wow. other ones I've like brushed up against and I'm like, oh, this is beautiful and it's fake. So I'm getting fooled on the regular by these plants. Like they yeah. look, they have the waxy sheen. Mm-hmm. It's just when you don't dust them, that's when I think we'll figure <laughs> out. <laughs> Sometimes yeah, you get yeah. dusty ass when you're like, no, no, this is not it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You need the gloss. Yeah. But they're, yeah, they're getting really good. Even if you can keep your houseplants alive, like there's a, we have one uh, where we mix and match. We have some living mm-hmm. ones so we can use mm-hmm. those as cover for the ones that are fake. But we have sure. one that is just making the floor like within a six degree rate or a six foot radius, just incredibly sticky. And like, I can't figure out why it's just the floor like around sap it. Coming a fake out of plant? It. But, but it's like, it must be like misting out because it's not like noticeable. Yeah, no, right, no, this right, is a right. real one, but this it's right. like, I'm just saying one of the, one of the hazards of real plants mm. is, is like, this that one have... you said you were getting to grow real big because you were watering it with maple syrup. Yeah. Is that, <laughs> Mm, I don't know. Check. I, I would taste the floor next time. Jack, stop <laughs> feeding icing to <laughs> just buckets of ice. But look how big it's getting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Can't be stopped. Yeah, Zeitgang, let us know. If the, 
Can what's Jack for your photo for the episode? Take a photo of the with plant. the plant. Okay, so people can oh, well. so Zeit Gang can clock in and say what the fuck is going on with the the vapor sap that's coming out of there. Yeah, yeah. But there's just like there's socks stuck to that part of the floor. <laughs> Our kid was stuck there <laughs> the other day. Kid uh, missed school because he couldn't get him <laughs> prime off the floorboards. Caitlin, how many fake plants? How many do you have? A lot of fake plants right now, or is it something you like? You're admiring from afar. And you're like, I think I want to get in. Well, that. I I just got my first one recently because okay. I had held off for so long because I just felt so much shame around buying fake plants because people will make you feel so ashamed, and I don't know why I, no. you know, just uh, I should have just whatever anyway so i got my first one i was like oh this looks this is good i'm gonna so now i'm i'm going to continue there you go yeah Yeah. but like yeah your your house just smells like polyvinyl (laughs) (laughs) because it's too many fake things like it's a very plastic (laughs) (laughs) all right uh caitlin that thank you (laughs) Thank you for letting us get to know you better. Uh, We are going to take a quick break and we'll come back and talk about the news. And we're back. And yeah, it's it's March 11th. One year, one year on uh, Mm. from I think it was the day that a lot of people we're like, okay, well, the uh, our lives are going to be uh, fairly different for uh, the foreseeable future. Yeah. I think that was the day that I went to the grocery store and bought, like, everything I could find. Things that I'd never even bought before, but I was like, this is in a can, so I'm going right. to need it. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah, and, like, it was just the, the chaos right. of the store and just, ev- yeah, everyone was just, like, kind of in panic mode because no one knew what to expect it was yeah it was surreal too because i remember prior to that we in the studio we were like getting all this stuff for the studio like there was wipes everywhere we were wiping everything down and trying to make the surfaces as clean as possible and but it was almost the second it was like yeah we're gonna have to like shut everything down i it it was a weird moment where i was like half ready for it yeah. But then it was sort of surreal, like how immediately I was like, okay, now we're in survival mode and like these are the things we have to do. But then like in the process of it, I was like, this is, this is, this shit's happening right now. Like this, this, we're in the midst of it. I was listening back to the episode that dropped on uh, March 11th last year, uh, 311 day last mm-hmm. year. And it like we open up and I'm like, yeah, it's weird. Like people are worried about the, the mic covers and like coming in and just talking into a mic cover that's like, drenched with someone else's like breath right uh, and i i was like talking about uh how i like sometimes find myself touching my mouth against the mic cover is just mm-hmm. like a totally different disgusting uh reality that i at least i was operating within right we were still emailing about like all right so we'll we'll meet on thursday in person it's it's wild man yeah how quickly things uh changes just like our understanding you know what i mean like how it was kind of like all right we'll see what happens mm-hmm. two weeks and we'll flatten the curve <laughs> right and, uh, yeah oh man and then that was of course the day that we found out tom hanks tested positive and mm-hmm. that a utah jazz oklahoma city thunder game was like about to start and then all the players like left the court and they announced over the loudspeaker that the game was going to be 
postponed and it was like a full stadium of people and it was like this is not safe this is never going to happen again yeah was that the day also i think disneyland closed or it was like within one or two days of that also yeah i mean look that was a depending on where you were culturally something happened that made it real for you if right. Tom Hanks got it, that made it real for some people. The NBA shutting down made it real for other people. Disneyland shutting down has definitely made it real for some people. <laughs> yeah. And now it's, I'm almost suspicious about how exactly to, like, you know how sometimes you'll be like, oh, I had a 24 hour bug and it was like almost like the timer went off at 24 hours and like you felt better. It almost feels like that's happening with the pandemic or like we're trying to make that happen with the pandemic that it's mm. like on the one year anniversary. Like one of my friends who's like a big sports fan was just like, I just heard that they're going to be opening with like 40,000 people in sports stadiums within four weeks for like Major League Baseball, which is, you know, I, mm. seems very significant. And like, yeah. I wouldn't feel comfortable doing that. But mm-hmm. uh, but what does the CDC know? know, you know? Right. What the hell do they know? I trust the what Texas do they know about Rangers. I just think of like how the evolution of like how we were even protecting ourselves, like sort of the emotionally, psychologically from an oncoming pandemic it was like, oh, man, like, who knows? Like, oh, it could be cool. And then like how that slowly sort of like withered away. And we're like, yeah. this is so fucked up. Like, yeah, nothing of substance is coming from the government in terms of like support and where people are being fed this completely backwards narrative of that businesses need to open rather than the government needs to support people uh, through mm-hmm. this pandemic. Yeah. And yeah. Ugh. And now we're here still hey. talking on Zoom. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. But yeah, the NBA thing made it real for me. I'm not going to lie. I don't know mm-hmm. why. Well, it's yeah, because that was one thing that I feel like I had in the back of my mind that like, well, there's all these people in stadiums together. Like, that's one of those things that you just see just, you know, on. Right. You can't help but see it on TV. Like if if you're just walking by a TV, there's like stadiums full of people crowded in together. And you're like, well, it can't be like that. Like if that's allowed to happen and there's not like massive outbreaks and then the yeah. fact that they were just like, oh, yeah, this is a, this is a fucking terrible idea. Everybody run for your lives. The announcement is like, <laughs> right. we unfor- well, unfortunately have to cancel today's game and get the fuck out now. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, Move calmly. Uh, yeah. yeah, that just felt very, very surreal to like just see like an abrupt end to uh life as we knew it mm. um yeah and then the the struggle to remind people how we can't go back to just ignoring everything like before times it seems like there's a you know a pretty big movement uh for people to kind of get on with it and just be like don't forget all the abject you know uh strife you saw from people it's just mm. i mean we got we can get forty thousand people into into dodger stadium y'all yeah <laughs> all right let's talk about uh somebody who was much Closer to the front of our minds uh, back when uh, one year ago, uh, that is uh, the the guy was the president back Mm -hmm. then, Uh, Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a chance that he might just get hit with the Rico. Yeah. The racketeering. What is it? Racketeering. Racketeer influenced and corrupt organizations. I wouldn't have gotten that if you gave me 99 tries. Um, But yeah, (laughs) typically for gangsters, you know what I mean? Like that was like the way they were able to get mobsters rounded up and other like really nefarious crimes. But 
So we've talked about how the DA, Fonnie Willis, um, in Georgia is going for the throat, you know, to the point where the um, state Senate in Georgia tried to, like, change the laws to be like, you can't impanel a jury, like, in the county because it would be too uh, diverse and not pro-Trump enough. But they missed their opportunity for that. And mm. now, well, we're finding out, like, so what's going on? Because clearly most of it is all kicking around that call where he's like, find me 12,000 votes fucking now so I can overturn the will of the people. And that call and many other events are now like, you know, factoring into this investigation. But the biggest thing we just heard is that there's this inclusion of an attorney named John Floyd to the prosecution team. And he is known as the racketeering expert. He literally wrote the guide on how to pursue state racketeering charges and Willis, um, Fonnie Willis has mentioned like racketeering charges before, like in passing, and it wasn't really connecting because we're mostly thinking like this is election fraud. Like what does racketeering have to do with it? But that's because Georgia has broader racketeering laws that basically seem to describe everything that Trump and his little gang did. Um, so they're saying if she pursues racketeering charges, she will need to, quote, prove a pattern of corruption by Trump alone or with his allies aimed at overturning the election results to stay in power. Hmm. And Georgia statute defines racketeering more broadly to include false statements made to state officials. Mm. Mm -hmm. So it's looking pretty, pretty rough. I mean, just to kind of give you some background, like racketeering charges happen a lot more often in Georgia than you'd realize. And the last time like Willis and Floyd you know, collabed was six years ago when there was that school um, when school officials were falsifying standardized test scores to try and make the Georgia education system looking like more robust than it actually was. Mm -hmm. They got them all on racketeering charges. They get like this duo seems to really get racketeering shit done. So I think a lot of, you know, legal people are like, this is very interesting because once they prove, I think, like two violations within this RICO statute, it's going to be hard to to say otherwise but you never know with this with this with this country so i don't know every with time i'm like they got him yeah on the other hand trump's defense team is probably going to be full of some crackerjack uh you know lawyers like rudy giuliani and uh no he he might be fucked <laughs> i mean yeah i mean it's bad because if you think of all the people man it's not just him it is rudy you know it is lindsey yeah. graham yeah. it is this you can point to this pattern of corruption, of mm -hmm. people leaning on other officials, and then of like spouting falsehoods. Uh, yeah, I remember total landscaping four seasons. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's it's like really it's I don't know. It's comforting to be like, oh, this might be a really good uh pursuit of justice here. But then at the same time, like as I keep saying, there's like two two or three legal systems depending on who you are. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, big news that uh, came through yesterday is that the uh, relief package was passed. And so now it is time for uh, Republicans to figure out uh, how to spin uh, actual, like, concrete uh, relief for people who are struggling as, as a bad thing. Uh, yeah. Let's see how they do. <laughs> why, why do this as a sport? To, like, it's objectively... A thing to help people in a pandemic. So the takes are all over the place from the right. Uh, Rick Scott from Florida said, "Who hurts?" So <laughs> Jesus, quote, "Who hurts? Get who hurts gets hurt." I don't know what that means. Who Snakes. hurts? 
Wait, I don't. What does this sentence mean? Who hurts, who hurts gets gets, gets hurt. hurt. Poor families. poor families. Oh, okay. That's very conversational and confusing. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so poor families are the ones who will be uh, fucked over by help. Apparently, they're not helping poor families with this. They're hurting poor families. Please point to how that works, because yeah. every study talks about how these stimulus bills will lift people out of uh, poverty on mm. some level. Obviously, so much more could be done. Right. But to I say that this hurts poor people or poor families. Absurd. Right. Finish your state. Like what? How? Like what? Mm-hmm. This is you, right. You can't just Which, make a statement and then be like, but that and it's true. I don't well, have to back it up. Well, that is, that's, that's the way. Uh, yeah, that's of... being a politician for the most part. <laughs> Just being like, that's what I said. Don't follow up or else I'm going to say you're harassing me. Okay. <laughs> House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy called this uh, during a debate on the bill. He said, it's a socialist laundry list of left-wing priorities. Okay. Helping people. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Sounds good to me. What are you saying? What are you saying, Kev? Let me know in the comments. Uh, Representative Marjorie Green described this as, quote, massive woke progressive Democrat wish list. Mm -hmm. And then Mitt Romney just went with old reliable, which was we shouldn't be spending any monies ever on people. (laughs) So that was at least more consistent. But I don't understand. Like this, this bill has bipartisan support, like 59 percent of Republicans have realized that they are human beings that need help from the federal government and are supporting this bill. But even if a majority of your voters, it's like, it's just so odd. I don't even know what to do. They're just so hooked on like these woke attacks and socialist attacks. Mm -hmm. Man, they, they get so concerned and not just Republicans, even the mainstream media gets so concerned about spending and the federal deficit whenever a Democrat is in power, but they do not give a fuck whenever a Republican is usually because the Republican is fucking up so many other things that that's just not a priority. And I think they also understand that like, that's not a priority for a lot of the readers, right? It's like, well, that's, that's not the worst thing they're doing. That's not the thing that's going to resonate with people, but with Democrats, it just, it always becomes spending too much guys. (laughs) Can't add to that huge deficit number because then. Yeah, I mean, ignore the last couple of years, but I'm worth, right. which is the, you know, the <laughs> ebb and flow of their rhetoric when it comes to this stuff. But it just, again, it's so weird. Like when you're having to just do these really superficial attacks that are so transparently um, intellectually bankrupt, like to just be like, it's a laundry list of woke agenda items. Mm. Okay. But. You're not you're not, no one is actually going for the substance of it, which is why I'm like, that's probably why 59 percent of Republicans are on board, because this shit isn't even like appealing to them. You know right. what I mean? Like, because on some level, they're like they can recognize a helping hand when it's offered. But this right. their attempt to try to completely be like, no, guys, humanity is overrated. Come over here with the ignorant racist squad like the IRS got you. Uh, it's. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how much longer like this happens until like it starts getting old, even for their own audience. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, I, I just read an article that introduced me to a concept that I wanted to kind of talk through with you guys, see what you guys' thoughts are. So the the idea is called the law of conservation of religion. Um, there's a political theorist called Samuel Goldman who 
observed this as basically a law that more or less there's a constant level of religious fervor in us in any society and it just changes like in terms of where and how it's expressed so mm-hmm. like there's just a you know it, it it makes sense from a standpoint of when, when you look back at human history like the constant throughout no matter what point in history you're looking at there is a need for religion among mm-hmm. people like it's just it's not like one person lying and uh and then like tricking everybody in it just seems like there is an organic need for people uh for a certain number of people to to believe in a religion that like takes them out of the day to day and like the the real time concerns of being a human basically mm-hmm. So, yeah, the, basically this theory, the, this uh, writer for The Atlantic is making the point that you can kind of view America as transferring its religious fervor from religion over to politics over the past, basically. Uh, he says 1998 was the year that religious kind of commitment and belief started dropping uh, and now we're at a place where a lot of the same sort of ideals and practices uh, are being practiced in the political landscape. And I I feel like it wasn't right at 98. I feel like there was a like techno utopian kind of 15 years there where we were like, OK, we're going to like put our religious fervor into like building this separate reality where uh everybody's connected on the web and then like suddenly we kind of realized that was that was not what was happening Sinful, on the web you know, we should have been connecting with the holy spirit thank you, you know, that's what i was saying anyways that's, that's what, what I was that's my point is just like let's get back to the holy spirit uh yeah holy- <laughs> <laughs> come on guys we're losing sight of things huh yeah you want to log on log on to god yeah. yeah. <laughs> Caitlin, I'm really hoping once you connect with the Holy Spirit, you will rethink the procedure you're about to take. So consider the Holy Spirit and adding more Christians to this earth, please, for the sake of Christ, for the you know sake what? of his You're mercy. absolutely right. My duty is to just have <laughs> to, m- millions of babies. To honor Christ with <laughs> my uterus. Yes. Um, yeah. The, I mean, is this because now we're seeing... There's a lot of reports, too, about how now evangelical Christianity is fusing with QAnon and how right. that is becoming a really dangerous combination. Because, like, in that same way, if it's religious fervor, I mean, facts don't fucking apply. You're fucking with a different energy source at that yeah. point. Yeah, I mean, that's he. the author would kind of and let me find his name, but the author would basically see this at that as part of this overall trend. Uh, right. His point is that, like, from 1937 to 1998, church membership remained relatively constant at about 70% in America, which is very uncommon for, like, a wealthy uh, democracy. Uh, And then over the past two decades, that number has dropped to less than 50%, uh, which is the sharpest recorded decline in American history. And meanwhile, the, like, Atheists, agnostics, and those claiming no religion have grown to represent a quarter of the population. 
And so it's not it's not like the entire society has like gone away from religion. It's just that there is now a much larger portion of the population that is looking for that thing that they can kind of sublimate themselves to and mm-hmm. like feel relief from the day to day. And this author's perspective is basically that if this continues in this direction, we're in a bad way because uh, politics is a terrible is a terrible substitute for religion. Um, oh my God. In, yeah. in the article, he points out that like religion is about distancing yourself from the temporal world and like all the imperfection of day to day life, uh, and it's also about like conferring final judgment and like ultimate judgment to another time, uh, another being that like you don't have control over, and this new kind of form of religion like brings that judgment like down into like the here and now and that's where you're getting like the QAnon where it's like our political opponents are evil and, and demonic uh, demonic Whatever. exactly mm-hmm. and he also makes the point that like some of the cancel culture things are you know part of like he he uses wokeness in quotes a bunch and talks about like cancel culture being part of like sort of in line with like excommunication and the sort of thing that you see in religious cultures uh which you know it's in the atlantic so it's uh it's it's more read it with an accent yeah read it with an accent exactly um but <laughs> it i don't know it, it is just an interesting way to kind of look at our current moment and a lot of the things that we're trying to explain that are that are new to our culture like QAnon like uh the political violence that that we're right. starting to see or like celebrity worship too you know what yeah. i mean because and that's cults, another version yeah. where you're replacing like well fuck religion but like i'll buy everything uh Kendall Jenner puts out or Kylie right. Jenner puts out and like sort of this lack of self-awareness like hyper consumption culture too which in a way is like its own you know religion um that people are so like caught up in that you can't see sort of the realities of of your world because your church is like you know the drip right mm-hmm. and like showing out on your social media too so yeah it's interesting to see and like i'm sure those people be like oh i'm not religious at all but like i must post three times a day looking sick as fuck um <laughs> right i mean i am not religious at all. I grew, I was like raised in a very secular atheist household. And now I've turned to Paddington. Um, (laughs) So I like, I, I agree with the, just, I mean, the general need for, for humans to sound like an alien for humans <laughs> for the human. to understand Paddingtonian theory. <laughs> I mean, my perspective on religion is that it, I think, just generally provides some sense of just kind of comfort and way to understand the world um, around us. I feel like, well, I don't want to say too much for fear of uh, everyone yelling at me, but I'm gonna. I will. I'll need. I need like a day to collect my thoughts on this. But I guess so. I'll totally. just conclude by saying. Um, 
long live Paddington. <laughs> no, what, what, what do you what do you take umbrage with exactly? I mean, the shift from like like following a religion to, I guess, more following a political ideology. Mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah, I guess, but I think that has more to do with just our advance advances in like society and culture and science that a lot of people are just they're like well religion isn't like i don't i don't know I again like another thing that explains more than the bible <laughs> called right. science and wikipedia you should check this shit out man the moon is something else yeah the, I, I like yeah i would need a whole i need to like i need several days to yeah but you're saying it's not as simple as now, because that's happening, it's just it's flowing to another thing sort of immediately. Right. Yeah. And then also, like, I feel like a lot of people's political alignment is informed by their religion. So, I mean, first, I mean, for some people, um, obviously not everyone, but I don't know. I'm just I, I think this is just like, I guess it's an interesting take that yeah. I don't really get. <laughs> Hey, uh, so the author, uh, Shadi Hamid, is a contributing writer at The Atlantic, uh, as I mentioned, but he's also a senior fellow at the Brookings Institution. Hey. Hey. So what is that? That's like very uh, neolib establishment, uh, uh, angel investor type shit, I feel like. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It's an interesting thought experiment. Is, well, I think, I, think I mean, at the you. very least, we are witnessing a phenomenon at the very least of this combination melding of the two into this other thing. Or like maybe it's that's part of the American religious evolution is that naturally, you know, you're going from people who uh, just were trying to have their values in their churches to now being like, we want this for all of you. Yeah, um, because mm-hmm. that's sort of the that's sort of what is happening is they're using biblical law as they see it from their religion to try and put that into it like in the laws of our country as well by just saying like oh yeah no abortion no 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 we're not going to do that or other things that will feel are counter to our religion like uh anything having to do with the lgbtq community as well mm-hmm. yeah all right let's take a quick break and we'll come back and talk about cocaine bear <laughs> paddington's fucked up cousin <laughs> And we're back. Uh, and all right, let's talk about Elizabeth Banks's <laughs> new movie. Uh, Elizabeth Banks directed Pitch Perfect, I think. Is Pitch Perfect right? 2. The th- yeah, one of the or sequels. One of the sequels. Of, and then Charlie's Angels was the latest mm-hmm. one. Right. So, uh, you know, she's also a famous actress who you would know from many a 90s like anything. movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Hunger Games would be, uh, our younger listeners would probably recognize her from. But uh, so her latest movie is called Cocaine Bear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, is that is that really like I'm I'm looking at her IMDb filmography, and they might be using a different name for it. Uh, really under director. Yeah, under director they've. Uh, yeah, maybe I don't know, or they're just I think it no, well, it hasn't gone into production yet. Got it. So okay. maybe they are um waiting to actually like fully fully announce that got it but anyway 
yeah, she's got the she's got the new movie coming out, and I thought Cocaine Bear was like, okay, maybe this will be a hilarious comedy, uh, and right. maybe or a really ridiculous film or something. It's a Which, fucking true story about mm-hmm. a bear that ate a bunch of cocaine in the eighties mm-hmm. and died. So hmm. I was like, okay, so it's a short movie. But the whole thing is, they say in December 1985, a bear was walking around the Chattahoochee Oconee National Forest in Georgia, minding okay. its own business. Again, made when up. It, <laughs> when it found 40 plastic bags of cocaine worth $15 million, ate them, and then died. The medical examiner who per- performed an autopsy on the bear said the cause of death was uh, cerebral hemorrhaging, respiratory failure, hyperthermia, renal failure, heart failure, stroke. Damn. You name it, the bear had it. Oh. Its stomach was, quote, literally packed to the brim with cocaine, end quote. There wasn't a mammal on the planet who could survive that. That makes me feel so bad for yeah, the bear. Yeah, that is very sad. I'm also wondering what our plot is here. Right. <laughs> well, I've as been... a screenwriter, let me tell you what I would do. <laughs> right. What's the inciting incident? When the coke falls on the bear's head from the sky? Right. <laughs> Um, oh, I'm also seeing here that um, you. I'm looking at a Hollywood Reporter article. Universal is behind Cocaine Bear, which is based on an untitled spec script. So, yeah, I think they probably just are like, untitled Cocaine Bear project. Right. Uh, but I think they should just keep the the title oh, Cocaine Bear. Why yeah. not? I mean, so the the origin story, I think that's why the film will probably center around how that blow got to the bear. Got it. And it turns mm. out that it was a man named Andrew Thornton who was an like a corrupt narcotics cop who then transitioned to international drug smuggling kingpin. Amazing how those things happen sometimes. And so it all happened when one day he was doing, I guess, a massive transport of cocaine and there's some engine trouble occurred. And so he got spooked and started dumping as much of the blow out the plane's doors as he could. And that's mm-hmm. when I think the shit got into the forest where the bear got to it. And then he j- he tried to jump out with a parachute. But unfortunately, he was holding 70 pounds of cocaine, a ton of cash and guns that the weight was fucked up. And his his chute didn't deploy properly because the load was too much. And then he died. And they discovered him literally like with next to a 70 pound pile of blow with guns and like money <laughs> dead in the forest. Wow. Still not um, sure what the mean. Like, what? How, how do we center the bear in this? Maybe uh, the well, cocaine bear was inside all of us all along. You know? <laughs> like, that's, cocaine maybe, bear is us. Here's what I would do I would really take a lot of liberties with the right. story and do some pretty major world building where the bear comes upon the cocaine, eats it, and then rather than dies a tragic death, um, develops superpowers, right, and then mm. becomes a superhero bear, a super bear. Yeah, I mean the spec script was actually written by the bear before it died of a cocaine overdose, <laughs> so that might <laughs> it was etched into a tree trunk with its claws. <laughs> and then People I'm thinking, man, like maybe. Story. Oh yeah, man, I, and I can see fucking so good at night now. So yeah. then I get night vision, and then yeah, I mean, unfortunately, <laughs> and it launched three restaurants in the yeah. yeah. <laughs> Some sick underground bear speakeasies. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm. Yeah, I, I like world building. I would like some world building around there. Mm-hmm. I just the I get. I mean, like the story of this Andrew Thornton person seems fine, but I mean, what of this bear? Like, I think I think the movie would be great if the entire film is about the bear and the last shot is the cocaine coming down from the sky. Mm-hmm. So it's just the bear that movie where it's like <laughs> following a bear around the forest. 
Yeah, yeah. Or that one movie um, with Danny DeVito, Jack the Bear. Wasn't that right. one with Danny DeVito? Oh, wow. And yeah. I thought I knew my bear movies. I thought but... that was a porn, Jack the Bear. <laughs> That's a different uh, one. Oh, okay. I got, yeah. I got it. Yeah, yeah. This is the uh, the Marshall Herskovitz uh, director. Could film. also be um, Brother Bear, that uh, Disney vehicle from the early 2000s yeah. that we all know and love. Um, maybe maybe it's uh, The Revenant. Right. Um, bear from The Revenant. The Bear yeah. from The Revenant okay. could be if they make time it, travel. Yeah. It's just going <laughs> through different movies like it's in its own mind because it's so fucking. Yeah. Again, it's and we're still talking about a, a fucking animal that ingested forty pounds of cocaine, oh. and a, a, it's a mess. Its body was a mess. It's wild how quickly the bear, because cocaine is, I can't imagine it tastes good to bears, uh, but it yeah. very quickly was like, holy shit, I got to get more. <laughs> you know, they're like, um, fuck, oh like, man, I don't want to. I'm coming down, bro. Let me keep some more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, forty pounds worth. How about it? Oh my it? gosh. Um, unless maybe it was cut hurt. with like NutraSweet or mm. uh, Sweet and Low or. Yeah. Or like Baby Laxative for baby sure. Baby Laxative, yeah. I think, I mean, this is it, this is Elizabeth Banks' third film. Well, actually, no, she's had, she's directed a few things, but I'm I'm really curious to see what this, how this all turns up. Like it's just, it it's compelling in that it's so vague, but has these odd specifics. And I'm like, right. where do we, mm-hmm. how do, where, where can we go with this? Guide me, cocaine bear. That is a wild, true story. I mean, you could it could literally go in so many directions. But did you see um, Robert Evans's tweet about it? Um, <laughs> no. He said, "This is the only movie we have needed since Fury Road." So, <laughs> very proud. thank you. Oh uh, uh, yeah. All right. Well, speaking of the early two thousands, Avatar. Is heading back. When did Avatar come out? Was that early two thousands? Probably yeah, a little yeah. later. That was two thousand nine, mm-hmm. right? Okay, eight, uh, eight or nine, eight or nine. The late aughts, uh, yeah. Avatar. As we've discussed, it's it feels like Avatar didn't necessarily have the impact on the cultural consciousness that a lot of other movies did at least at first it wasn't like a it, it felt like a movie that never happened even though it was for a time the most successful movie of all time mm-hmm. and kicked off all 3D everything right but it but yeah. all 3D after avatar was bad and so <laughs> right. it was just like uh so china's film bureau uh has approved a surprise plan for avatar to get a wide re-release uh, on Friday, it's like coming out now, and that is kind of big news because, in addition to having been pretty popular, there was also an attempt to kind of shut it down. Like once it was at peak popularity, they like started taking it out of theaters uh, and putting out like more, uh, I guess, China-focused movies. There was there was a confucius biopic that they like put out in a bunch of theaters instead of avatar like to try to artificially like control the culture and make it less like western oh wow and uh the confucius biopic flopped big time no so there's like was it that racist sketch with chris farley from snl (laughs) it was uh starring chow young fat 
uh, who... Oh, Chow Yun-Fat was Confucius? I believe so, yeah. Is he, like, shooting guns? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is it John Woo <laughs> Confucius biopic? <laughs> yeah. So there, there's probably going to be, like, a bunch of excess demand. It was a huge deal back in 2009. People waited in line for hours. Some people paid $100 per ticket to see Avatar. Whoa. And it was... Not worth it. Yeah, it was such a, a phenomenon that... <laughs> A local official renamed part of the Yellow Mountains after the floating mountains in the movie. But weren't they inspired by those mountains, too? I think so, yeah. Like, I felt like Jim, James Cameron was like, or maybe it was there in Vietnam or somewhere, but very much, okay, cool. Yeah, so that'll, that'll be interesting. I mean, uh, you know, as we've discussed in previous episodes, the Chinese box office has now completely surpassed the American box office yeah. it mm. had a record-setting day for a movie earlier this year. I mean, the, all the economists' forecasts are seeming pr- are pretty spot on from the '80s and '90s when they're saying China will be the biggest, uh, you know, economic powerhouse by 2020, yeah. 2021, and now, yeah, like because their movies are even like movies that aren't that great are just blowing out Endgame for numbers, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so maybe maybe Avatar will have its chance to have more of a cultural impact. But wait, we still haven't heard about the sequels and shit. When is that happening? What is going on there? Yeah. Didn't he release a teaser or something? I, I feel like I've read that I somewhere. I've not been paying attention. The only, I mean, if it, it's Titanic or nothing, I don't yeah. care. If you are a Cameronian uh, film scholar. Yeah. I am, and I do really like Terminator and Terminator Two. Aliens is a great movie. Judge, oh my goodness, Ugh. um, yeah. But so I just, I've, I think he needs to shift his focus from all these Avatar sequels to some Titanic sequels. <laughs> yeah, I'd honestly watch a Titan. Like, I'm just interested in it conceptually. I'm like, oh, okay, you're doing a sequel. I don't even know what the fuck that would be, but I like it. It would just be about James Cameron diving. I feel like you could do just another person's story on the Titanic, not like focus on not Jack and Rose, but or anyone we've covered because they 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 would have aged. I mean, Danny Nucci does not look the same anymore as Fabrizio. He looks even Um, better these days. Yeah, I used. It's funny. I know his sister, and the day I found out that her brother was Danny Nucci, like it blew my mind. I'm like Fabrizio. I'm like (laughs) the dude from Crimson Tide. That's your brother. Oh my God! The Rock. He's in The Rock. He He's is in, in everything, rock. baby. Danny Nucci was winning. Oh yeah! Shout out to the anniversary of his wife. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Did she pass away March 9th again? According to the headstone? it was March 9th. Yeah. In Who? The Rock, yes. Barbara Hummel, his wife. From okay, do you remember in The Rock where um, I thought we were talking name? about Danny Nucci's wife? No, so I was well, like, why are we being so <laughs> gleeful about this woman passing away? <laughs> no, Ed Harris's character in The Rock, right before he takes over the island he goes to the graveyard where his wife is buried but the tombstone it just says barbara hummel but at the top it just says his wife all aggressively <laughs> and like i when i did the episode the first episode of bechdel cast i did was we were talking about the rock and we just could not get over the oh like, his, his wife <laughs> barbara hummel even though this motherfucker's not buried it's just still his whose wife right mm. wow which, yeah. like, everyone will be like, that's standard, like, military cemetery. Right. Is like, it? Yeah, we know. We it get it. Is, it's just still fun. It's is. jarring as fuck to see, though. <laughs> that yes. is wild that that yeah. is mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. must anyway. be defined through husband, his uh-huh. wife. 
Yes, um, indeed. Cool. Uh, well, Caitlin, it's been such a pleasure having you oh, as always. Thank you so much. Where can people find you and follow you? You can follow me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Caitlin Durante. And, you know, scoot on over to my website, CaitlinDurante.com, for information about upcoming screenwriting classes that I have because I use my master's degree in screenwriting that I, again, hate to mention <laughs> to impart my knowledge to other people in my classes. Right. So, uh, yeah, that's... And alumni of your screenwriting courses have written such films as Cocaine Bear. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Titanic. Very proud. Titanic, Titanic another Ti- one. Uh-huh. Uh, not the dialogue, just the overall, uh, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. The dialogue for Titanic, what, when it was happening, I couldn't believe it was happening. I was just like, that. <laughs> James Cameron is not a good screenwriter. He's not good at writing <laughs> how people talk. Yeah, just uh, stop like with the I, the coked out idea and then let a screenwriter right. be like, yes. oh, that's an interesting idea, James. I will take it from here, though. <laughs> just no, shut up about no, shut up about that other shit, please. Uh, and is there a tweet or some other work of social media you've been enjoying? Yes, I'll shout out Solomon Giorgio, who recently tweeted, my, gra- my greatest fear is showing up anywhere and having to do something. <laughs> yep. Uh, I do not. Relatable. Yeah. Oh, and that's where we're headed, it seems mm-hmm. like. Yeah. Miles, where can people find you? What's tweet you've been enjoying? Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Miles of Grey. Um, getting into Destiny Two. Didn't think I would like the game, but it's, it's kind of tight. Um, also the other podcast, Four Twenty Day Fiance, talking Ninety Day. So check that out and hit up the Twitch streams, the party. Some tweets that I like. First one is from Amelia Elizalde at Amelia Elizalde. Tweets: You should be able to get buried alive, but just for an hour to rest. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, that, that's kind of cool. Um, another one from uh, at Yodoye underscore. Tweeting, I was just about done with skating, and then I landed a pop shove it while demonstrating that I've never landed one. Why is life like this? That's <laughs> fucked up. See? Because that just keep believing in yourself, you do it. Uh, and then another one is from Lariel Simone at Lariel Simone tweets, There's a PTSD that comes from being poor that nobody talks about when you start getting money. And boy, ain't that the truth. They're oof, the thinking will it all be gone will i be back to having no money that's just a that tweet Mm. i think resonated with a lot of people especially Mm. if you were anyone uh millennial or gen z when you thought you were about to start your life out of college and you're like where's the where the job's at (laughs) uh there is a tweet i was enjoying from eve forward uh to sign on a like uh custodial door that says refuse to be stored in black plastic sacks and placed in the containers provided uh, but it looks like refuse to be stored in the black plastic sacks <laughs> and, she, and she wrote rage rage against the dying of the light uh, <laughs> refuse to be stored in the plastic sacks do not go into that plastic sack yes yes uh, you can find me on twitter liking tweets like that at jack underscore o'brien you can find us on twitter at daily zeitgeist 
We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page uh, that I've never been to and a website, mm-hmm. dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes, <laughs> where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as a song we suggest you uh, ride into your day upon. Yeah. Uh, Miles, what song is the I recommendation mean, for today? We got to kick off this anniversary of shutdowns and shit with one of my favorite songs but a remix Montel Jordan's This Is How We Do It but it's a remix by the producer D Don't Care um, and you know this one's gonna be on it's gonna be on SoundCloud cause this one's one of those remixes that just goes too hard the labels be like no this is too much too much fire so check this one out it's How We Do It and it's do is spelled D-U uh, so if you're looking for it there check that out or it'll be in the food notes yeah you can just Get it in the show notes. Uh, you can click on it. You'll go right to it. You can hear it. Uh, the Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That's going to do it for this morning. We are back this afternoon to tell you what's trending. We will talk to you all then. Bye. Bye. Bye.